Welcome to Cross Communities Podcast. We're glad you're here to listen today. We would love to connect with you today for listening to our podcast. Please fill out a connect card on our website at c3naz.net. You can also support the ministries of Cross Community by giving online on our website. We hope that today's message will strengthen your faith and help you to love God and people more. Hi, friends. <laughs> and friends online. Wow, what a summer. Uh, it is good to be home. Are you ready for the next seven years together? That's a good question. This is going to be such an adventure. We had an incredible time, and I am sure our many adventures will find its way into sermon illustrations all throughout the year as we go forward. What a life-giving opportunity. Thank you for letting us go. We reconnected some with Lori's family in West Virginia. Uh, we were able to make a trip back to Ireland where we came to you from. It was so fun to go to our little Nazarene church in Belfast and see that they are alive and well and thriving. They had just finished their VBS week and had kids from all over the community that were there. And they had new families that came because of VBS. It was just amazing to see. And we spent a week with some long-lost friends in, in uh, Basel, Switzerland. We were able to stay with them. And we just we wept and we were, had tears in our eyes as we thought about how 25 years ago they walked into a little Nazarene church in Santa Monica, California, and I just happened to be there preaching for the pastor who was on vacation that week. And they were the youngest people in the congregation by far. And we talked and we met and we went out to lunch afterwards and we just got, we found out we had the same wedding anniversary and we just kept in touch over and over. And to think after all of that time that we could get together and now our big children would play together in the pool and get in the jacuzzi and hang out and go walking all over this great city together. What an incredible time it was. But as fun as it is to be away, it's good to be home. And I'm looking forward to what God is calling us to today and in the future. So if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open them. I want to say thank you to all those who made this summer possible. Uh, I want to thank you for sending us away. But I really want to take a moment to say thank you to Pastor Kyle and Deidre and Pastor Ray for caring for you so well while I was gone. Can you say thank you to them? Thank you. Thank you. Well, if you have your Bibles, open them to the Gospel of John at the very end. John chapter 21. And we're just going to read a few short verses there, verses 15 through 19. And because this is the gospel of the Lord Jesus Christ, I'm going to invite those of you who are able to stand in the re for the reading of the gospel. Hear the good news this morning, my friends, from John chapter 21. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said, you know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, 
Son of John, do you love me? He answered, yes, Lord. You know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. Very truly, I tell you, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. And then he said to him, follow me. It's the word of God for the people of God, both here and online. And our response is, thanks be to God. You may be seated. What is happening in this story? It's kind of strange. I remember the first few times that I read this story about Jesus's conversation with Peter. And I thought, man, as a, as a, as a counselor, I thought, man, Jesus is kind of being really passive aggressive here. You know, it's like there's, there's something underneath the story that is going on. And I want to say, I, I've come to find out and I want us to understand together in this journey through this conversation uh, that there is more to it than Jesus being passive aggressive. I think Jesus is doing something beautiful, and I think that's why this story is included in John's Gospel. He wanted us to hear, because this is something that each of us can come to these moments where Jesus has those conversations with us. And I believe, as John says, this is good news. So what's happening in the story? If you're brand new to church or faith, I want to catch you up on who Peter is and what's going on here. So Peter was one of Jesus' disciples. He was really one of the leaders of the disciples. Jesus kind of had he and James and John that he really poured into for three years. They ate together. They lived together. They ministered together. Peter saw Jesus do incredible miracles. He heard Jesus' teachings over and over over and over again. He saw everything that Jesus could do. And he believed that Jesus was the long-awaited Messiah. And he couldn't wait until Jesus established the kingdom. And these Romans who had been conquered, had conquered us for so long would finally be put in their place. But Jesus kept doing this strange thing about talking about how he was going to be handed over to the authorities, the both political and religious, and he would be killed. And G Peter didn't like him talking about this. And eventually, Peter gets to a point where he says, Jesus, I'm going with you, and you're saying that we're all going to desert you, but I will never desert you. I will die for you, Jesus. You can read this if you want to in John chapter 13, verse 37. And Jesus looks him straight in the eye as Peter has talked about his devotion, his willingness to die for Jesus. And says, Peter, you're going to deny me three times in one night before the alarm clock goes off. <laughs> the rooster. And Peter is, is broken hearted. <laughs> because that comes absolutely true. Peter doesn't even stand up to a soldier. The first person to confront him is a little girl. He says, you're, you're one of his disciples, aren't you? He says, no, 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 I'm not. Walks away. He goes up the ladder and there, there are servants and, and a few officers of a house. Not officers like police officers. Again, people of not much status 
in the world. And they say, you talk like him. You're, you're definitely one of his disciples. No, no, I never knew him. And the final time he denies Jesus, the rooster crows immediately. And Peter goes out and weeps. Jesus is handed over and killed in a gruesome way. And we'll get to that around Good Friday. But can you imagine Peter knowing this? Knowing what he had declared to Jesus and knowing what had happened to Jesus, what he might have felt. I, I know we know the end of the story and so we tend to think, oh, but, but Jesus knew what was going on. He could have taken comfort in that. But let's put ourselves in Peter's shoes. I had claimed that I would die for him. I denied him three times, even once to a little girl. And he was killed in a brutal way and is dead. Can you imagine the guilt and the shame he felt in that moment? But it gets almost gets worse. Because he begins to hear then that Mary Magdalene says she saw him alive. And then what mixture of joy and grief and confliction when Jesus appears to all of them. And he even breathes the Holy Spirit onto them, John says. But he doesn't have a conversation with Peter. And as we go through this, Peter then decides, well, I'm just going to go fishing. And some of the disciples say, well, we'll come with you. And they fish all night long. How many fishermen do we have here in the congregation? Come on. You like to fish? How many of you do the overnight fishing? Like all night long? Anybody? Anybody ever done the all night fishing? This is a good time to catch catfish. It really is. But he fished all night long, not with rod and reel, but backbreaking with nets and boats and putting them down and pulling them in and pulling them down. And they get absolutely skunked. No fish. Zero. Zip. Nada. And then, to add insult from injury to injury, somebody comes along on the shore and says, Hey, as you're packing it in, do you have any fish? How many of you love to hear that when you're pulling up to the dock and, and you're skunked and, and somebody says, what would you catch today? And you say, seaweed. They holler back, no, we didn't get anything. Nope, not a nothing. And this person has the audacity to give advice from the shore. Throw your net on the other side. You'll catch some. Somehow, for some reason, maybe just to humor the guy so he'd leave by the time they got to shore, they throw over one more time. And it is a net-busting haul of fish. And something about this happening finally opens their eyes and they know that it is Jesus. And then Peter, impulsive Jesus, who, uh, impulsive Peter, who speaks before he thinks, does what Peter always does. He just jumps overboard and starts swimming to shore, leaving them with all the fish to go. He is going to get, he's going to find Jesus. And now when we come to our time, he is sitting with Jesus. And they begin to have, finally, this one-on-one -on -one conversation together. And I believe this conversation does three things 
in Peter's life. And I want you to look at these today. Let's look at these very quickly. The first thing that Peter, that Jesus' conversation with Peter does is Jesus care fronts Peter. Now you may be thinking, what does care front mean? I'm glad you asked. Let's look at this. What does it mean to care front someone? This is not something that I came up with. I learned about this from one of my favorite professors in seminary, Dr. David Augsburger. He wrote a book, wonderful book. You could read it. It's called Caring Enough to Confront. And he talks about carefrontation. And carefrontation does three things. It is confrontation, but it does, I'm sorry, not three things, four things. This is what carefrontation does. Number one, it checks the confronter's motive. It checks the confronter's motive. Am I really doing this because I want to see something different happen? Because I believe in the other person? Because I love them? Or am I just mad and angry and I want to be right? So it does start with the person who has to initiate the conversation, the confrontation, the carefrontation. Am I, are my motives good here? Number two, it not only checks the confronter's motives, but it combines love and caring with the confrontation. So this is a a confrontation that is approached from a very loving and caring position by the person who is having to do the carefrontation. Number three, it confronts in a caring manner. Isn't this interesting that three of the four are all about the person who is doing the care fronting? It's checking motives. Are are my motives ready? Am I ready for this? Am I combining love and caring with the confrontation? And am I approaching the confrontation when I confront them? Can I do it in a caring manner? And lastly, it corrects the person being confronted with love and respect and honor. Jesus is doing this. We're going to see this as we move through the conversation. We're going to see that this really is Jesus carefronting Peter. And he does this as a beautiful example of, of what it means to be a shepherd. And he begins to move in this way. Have you ever had someone carefront you? I have. And, and it really wasn't when I was older, it was when I was younger. I've had many examples of this, and of course, parents do this. We try to do this as best we can. But I remember driving somewhere in my 1981 Toyota Tercel that the gas tank gauge was broken on. And so I just always tried my best to keep it filled up and to, and to make sure that I would just, whenever I thought it had been enough time, I would, I would kind of try and keep track of miles, but I was 18, you know, you don't do that in one ear out the other. And I was driving with my best friend, Christy. Now, Christy and I have been good friends. We went to church together. We went to two separate high schools. Um, it was kind of, We went to each other's proms together. We had fun. We weren't dating, but we were friends. And Julie had a, and I'm sorry, Christy had a sister named Julie. And Julie was her older sister, and she was born with Down syndrome. She was wonderful. They had raised, if you're not familiar with Down syndrome, Down syndrome means you have an extra chromosome when you are born. And it causes some cognitive impairment, but they always told Julie that that extra chromosome was the love chromosome. And Julie is to this day so loving and caring. Uh, and when she meets somebody new, she just calls them friend right away. 
So I was driving with Christy, and we were driving in my beat-up 81 Toyota Tercel with no gas gauge. And, and I was driving along, and we were getting ready to go somewhere, and all of a sudden, it dies. And I know exactly what has happened. I have run out of gas. And so I have to get out, and Christy gets out with me. She jumps into the driver's side, and I start pushing. Thankfully, it wasn't that far to a gas station. We pull into the gas station. I go around, and I said, thanks, I'm so sorry. I feel so, and I used a pejorative term for a person with cognitive impairment. And I didn't even think about it. I thought it was talking about me. I went over, I pumped gas, she got out, she got into the other side and, and sat down and she's quiet, she let me finish, she got in, we started driving somewhere and, and she was a little more quiet, but sometimes, you know, Christy was a bit of a thinker and she would think. And finally, as we were driving, Christy carefronted me about the word that I had used. And she said, I know you meant that about yourself and not about my sister, But that's not a word that you should use. It causes a lot of harm and hurt. And and I just teared up. I think carefrontation does that. And I said, I am so, so sorry. Can you forgive me? And she said, yes. And I have thrown that word out of my vocabulary. Because someone dared to carefront me. Because they loved me, they cared about me, and they knew that there was more growth to happen in my life. And I'm grateful for my friend Christy. But let's move on. Because Jesus does this with Peter. He care fronts Peter. And we begin to look at all of those four things. Jesus does that first. We begin to see what He is going to do for Peter. He asks Peter about loving him once for each denial that Peter did. And it's not lost on Peter. (laughs) That this is just a creative, poetic way of care-fronting Peter, of calling attention to what he has done. And to say he is with him there in that moment. But what is Jesus' motivation? This is the second thing that this conversation does. Not only does he care-front Peter, but secondly, Jesus continues calling Peter. This is beautiful. I don't know if you, if you caught this. At the end of every time that he asks Peter if he loves him, he continues to call him. He always says right here, every time Jesus carefronts Peter, he ends by calling him back to ministry. In verse 15, he says, feed my lambs. In, in verse 16, he says, tend my sheep. In verse 17, he says, feed my sheep. You see, what's going on here is that Jesus isn't into shaming Peter. Jesus is showing Peter what shepherding actually looks like. And sometimes it takes carefrontation. It takes moving in with good motivations and doing it in a caring way to bring correction and growth into the person who you are carefronting. He isn't shaming Peter. He's showing Peter what shepherding actually looks like. He isn't firing Peter. Jesus is freeing Peter for more ministry and calling him back. Jesus isn't punishing Peter. Jesus is putting him back on the path that he has walked with Peter on all this way. This is beautiful. 
I'm telling a lot of stories on myself today, but I remember one time when I was called back to the path through someone who carefronted me. When I was in seminary, I worked as a, in a property management company, Cornerstone Properties, for Dennis Barocas, who was a wonderful boss, uh, did great things. I was in charge of the phones, so I, I answered phones, talked to people. I was also in charge of going out to apartments when somebody vacated an apartment, checking what needed to be done, and then calling all the vendors and people to come paint or change the carpet or repair the stove or whatever. I loved all those interactions with people on the phone. I loved talking with the plumbers and the electricians and the carpet people and you just get to know people and know the owners and I just loved all that. But the other part of my job was every year, every month at the beginning of the month, thousands of checks would come in and I would have to sit at my desk with not talking to anybody and I would have to input and make sure I got everything exactly right so that everybody's check was entered in. The only problem was this was 2001 and the internet was now out. And, you know, there were so many interesting things there. And the Lord of the Rings movie was just about to come out and they were advertising online and they were doing short episodes. And I found myself taking a break from this boring work to, to look at some things here. And sometimes those breaks went a little longer than I meant for. And I remember when Dennis came out and carefronted me. <laughs> And said, you do such an amazing job on the phone. Like, you didn't start out with that, but I saw how good you were on the phone and I wanted you there. You do a great job. You take care of our vendors so well. Every person that calls in or talks to you, I feel like they're getting the best from our organization, the best from you. You do such an amazing job at all of these things. I would love to see you put that same motivation to work on some of the things that are less fun and less interactive. And I've seen some of the internet logs. (laughs) What is Lord of the Rings? (laughs) Glad you asked. That was was another conversation. But he said, I want to see you put that same effort, that great effort I see you doing in all of these other things into the things that are a little more difficult. I'll tell you what. I worked for Dennis Barocas for the rest of my seminary career because I knew he cared for me. And although he needed to confront, care front what was going on in this moment, he believed in me. He believed I was good. He continued to call me forward to be an asset for his company. And when I left and Lori and I moved to Northern Ireland... I went by and saw him to say goodbye, and he wrote out and put something in an envelope and handed it to me and said, thank you for your valuable time here. He sent us off with a wonderful, nice little check, which is great because I didn't have a job in Ireland. It's an example of care fronting that leads to a continuing call, and that's what Jesus was doing with Peter here. Lastly, And I think we need to hear this today. Is that Jesus showed through this conversation that he was comfortable starting where Peter is. Now we lose this in the English translation. Ah, ready for some Greek. I heard that Pastor Kyle has kind of kept you in the loop here just a little bit. And so that's good. We're only going to learn two words today. Two Greek words for love. You probably already know them. But there are, are, there are multiple words for love in Greek. In English, it's, un, it's unfortunate. We can love pizza and we can love our child. 
And if you love pizza as much as you love your child, there might be a problem. Come see me. But the two Greek words for love that we're going to learn today, the first one is agape. I've spelled it out phonetically so we can say it together. Ready? One, two, three. Agape. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Agape. One more time because that's how we do things here. One, two, three. Agape. Agape means the type of love that is self-sacrificing love. It's the love that gives even to the last. It gives all. It is that kind of love that is described when the word agape is present. The next kind of love that we're going to look at today is phileo. Let's say that together. Ready? One, two, three. Phileo. Let's say it one more time. One, two, three. Phileo. And finally, one last time. One, two, three. Phileo. This is the kind of love that is between friends. It's a love that goes far and can be very deep but may never approach self-sacrificial love like agape. Now, when we come back to the story in this conversation of Peter, this is going to show that Jesus is carefronting Peter. Remember, he's, he's asking him this question three times for the three times that he denied him. He is calling him back though. He's already called him to continue ministering. Take care, feed, take care and tend my sheep. And he's comfortable where, starting where Peter is. Let's look at this. In verse 15, Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you agape me more than these? And Peter responds, this makes it so different. <laughs> yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. We're friends. We're buds. We're good. Verse 16, Jesus goes, Simon, son of John, do you agape me? Do you have self-sacrificing love for me? And Simon responds, yes, Lord, you know that I phileo you. Does this change things for you? And finally, the third time, look at this. It's amazing. Simon, do you phileo me? And something about that breaks the heart of Peter as he hears the difference. And that Jesus was willing to come where he was and begin where he is. And it causes him to say, Lord, you know all things. You know that I phileo you. That we're friends, but you know by my actions, you know that I am not at agape yet. You see, Jesus is carefronting and continued calling and comfortability with starting where Peter was leads to Peter's confession. And I don't want you to get freaked out by this word confession. Confession just means to say the same, to point at reality and call it what it is. And that's what Peter does when he says, you know all things, Jesus, and you know that I phileo you. I proved it. By my actions. That's what's really real. And I'm just going to start from right there. And isn't it amazing that when Peter confesses where he is, Jesus announces where Peter is going. And where Peter is going, Jesus poetically describes, is agape love. That when he was young, 
He dressed Himself. He went where He wanted. But when that self-sacrificial love comes upon you, Peter, you will be led and you yourself will self-sacrificially give your life away to glorify and honor God. It's coming, Peter. I'm comfortable with where you are. Let's get back on the road. Let me call you back into ministry. Let's get moving down the road, Peter, together. Do you find yourself in this story? Boy, I do. <laughs> Had a beautiful time away. It was wonderful to be with friends. I'll tell you more about that as we go through. But I want to tell you about a moment towards the end of our journey. And I was sitting in a living room. I don't know what we were waiting to, waiting to go somewhere, go do something. And our friends are German speakers, but uh, also have some English writing around. And there was a magazine talking about a, a, an encounter between a guy... With Lonnie Frisbee. Have you seen the movie Jesus Revolution? He said, it was, it was only one time I ever met Lonnie. He said, I was young, but I knew and had heard that he prayed for people to receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and I wanted that. And so I walked up to him, I saw him at a conference, and I just walked right into his presence, and I said, Lonnie, I want you to pray for me to receive the power of the Holy Spirit. And he said, Lonnie looked at me, and said, take off your shoes. He said, and I, I just thought it was some kind of gimmick. And I told him, he's like, look, I don't want any gimmicks. I just want you to pray for me. He said, Lonnie looked right back at me and said, this is a very simple thing. And maybe what God is trying to deal with you in your life is pride. And that to do the simple thing, the obedient thing, is sometimes the most difficult thing. He said, it wouldn't have been difficult. I even, I just had flip-flops on. Like, this isn't a hard thing. He said, but that carefrontation made me so angry that I did a very difficult thing. I stomped away in flip-flops. But he said, as I sat down, I felt carefronted by the Lord, who said, this is your thing. He's right. You do take pride in trying to figure out everything, and sometimes it's the very simple thing that I need you to do that is the most important. I felt checked in that moment. I, I, I wasn't the same issue there, but I felt Jesus move into that moment and care front me to say, Jeff, you really get a lot out of explaining grace and theology and the Bible and psychology to other people. But what I need you to do is invite people to experience it more. You're never going to be able to explain grace fully to people. I was looking at a piece of chocolate Swiss chocolate is very, very good. He said, and I felt like he was saying, you could explain to someone how good and rich and creamy and chocolatey that piece of chocolate is, but they don't need your explanation. What they need is to put it in their mouth and experience all the goodness of the chocolate. 
And my friends, today, here and online, I want you to know that the grace, the carefrontation, the calling into ministry, and the comfortableness of Jesus with where you are right now is something that you are called to experience in your life. And I can explain it, and I'm not doing away with Greek words or anything like that, but I want you to know in the next seven years, we're going to spend a lot more time calling to experience the grace of God than just talk about it. Because it's time when you experience that, then you begin, like Peter, to see that Jesus announces where He is taking you so that you can self-sacrificially love to help people find and follow Jesus by seeking and serving them in our world. So, as we close, friends, Is Jesus care-fronting you about something today? Has there been something that you just feel like you can't get over? It doesn't have to be like Peter. It doesn't have to be like me. But what in your life is Jesus care-fronting you about? Coming to you and speaking in, in wonderfully caring ways. I want you to know, do you realize that it's because He wants to continue the call on your life to do what He has set before you and He's going to walk with you on that journey. And do you need to hear right now in this moment that He is comfortable beginning where you are today? This moment right here. You only have to do the simple thing. And that is confess. To just acknowledge where you are. Maybe it's Jesus, I don't believe. Do you think that Jesus is afraid of that? No. Comes right along. Okay. There was a dad in Scripture that was worried and he prayed this prayer. I believe, but help my unbelief. There are places where I'm struggling. You can say that. Maybe it's a personality trait. Jesus, I'm struggling with this in my life. Jesus, I don't know how to be a dad. I don't know how to be a mom. I don't know how to be a husband. I don't know how to be a wife. I don't know how to be a student. I don't know how to be your follower. It's just that confession. Jesus, I have this addiction. Jesus, I have this struggle. Jesus, I don't know what to do in this situation. When we confess where we're at, Jesus will begin to announce where He's taking you. Well, I'm going to ask Deb to come and just play something. I know we're about to party, and we got tacos enough for everybody, so stick around. If you're online and you're near and you want a taco, come and get it. You can have mine. But I want to do what I believe Jesus asked me to do. And to say today, I want to call you to experience the carefrontation, the calling, and the comfortableness of Jesus with where you are right now today. But I am going to ask you to do something that's easy but difficult. You see, there's something that we've learned in the church over many years. This predates me by a long way. That it seems that we're able to confess. We're more ready to confess. Maybe that's the way to say it. When we take our posture and put it in a a vulnerable place with Jesus. 
that, that's why we have these altars here. They're, they're not magical places to pray. It, it is a physical symbol of you kneeling your body and knees before the one who loved you enough to care for you who loved you enough to die so that you could experience His calling, who loved you enough to be comfortable right where you are, and He just wants to hear right where you are today. Whatever that is. And so in a moment, I'm going to pray, but I'm going to invite you right now, wherever you are, if you want to respond today, I want to experience this that you have talked about today, then I just invite you to come and to kneel and to pray. Some have come already. If you want to come, come. There's no shame in this. It's the easy but difficult thing. Because, yeah, it is in front of people. But it's okay. You can come. You can come today. Let me pray. And maybe when we're closing our eyes, you can sneak out and come if Jesus is speaking to you today. Father, I'm so grateful for this story. And I'm so humbled by the way you continue to care front me. That there's no end to declaring to you where I am and you being right there, comfortable and calling. So thank you for your confrontation of Peter long ago and the way it transformed his life to where he did give his life for you and lived into that agape that you wondered about on that day. Father, I I confess to you that we're at the beginning again. And I'm excited. But I know And confess that I need your wisdom, your guidance, and your grace. And I know that we here in this church need to experience that goodness and grace. So we invite you to come, continue to care front us, continue to call us, and may we hear that call. And may we begin every day knowing you are comfortable right where you where we are. You want to hear it and you announce where we go. So God, help us as we now go celebrate a journey together. Bless those who have gathered here. May they experience your grace and your calling. And if they're being carefronted by you today. May they experience the call. May they experience the warmth and the comfortableness of you being with them in their situation. And may they hear your voice calling them forward. For we pray and we ask all these things through Christ our Lord who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, forever and ever. Amen. Amen. Would you stand? and receive this blessing. You know, of all the things I miss getting to do as a pastor when I'm away, this is one of my favorites, and it's not because it's the end of the service. It's because I want you to know how much God longs to bless you. 
in your everyday life and I want to send you out of that strength and that power. Today, though, I want to send you out to have tacos. So make sure you get some. Don't leave. Just come back and get to know some people. My brothers and sisters here and online, my friends, may you this week experience the confrontation of the one who loves you and gave his life for you. Whenever those situations come up, may you know that in the midst of carefronting you, He is calling you. And He is comfortable right where you are. He simply longs for you to confess it. May you say where you are. Declare reality of where you are. And may you hear His voice calling you forward. Go into your week in that strength, in that grace. May you awaken every day declaring where you are and hearing from Him where you're going. I pray this in the name of the Father who is for us, in the name of the Son who is with us, and in the name of the Holy Spirit who is in us. One God forever and ever. Amen. God bless you. Go in His strength and peace. Thanks for joining us online. Have a great rest of your week. God bless you. Thank you for tuning in to Cross Communities Podcast. We hope you will join us next week.